If you are vulnerable to psychic damage from roguish language, stay away from these gibbering mouths. But if you intend on listening to this podcast about enriching your fantastical group hallucinations, you're too far gone already. Your next game is going to be grotesque, and here's why. In this series all about horror at the D&D table, the first episode, we answered, what do we need to craft a good horror story? In this episode, the second, we ask, what do we need to add terror to our monsters? And in the final and next episode, we're going to look at how fears properly crafted can add to great role-playing. Welcome to the Hook and Chance podcast. I'm Travis. And I'm his brother, Jordan. All right. So today we're going to look at how the most effective monsters stay ingrained and embedded in us for life. Pops up in the old memory banks once in a while when I'm dozing off for a nap. What was the first movie monster that really got to you? Well, it was from a frightful movie for a five-year-old lad called Ernest Scared Stupid. (laughs) Of course it was. trolls. The trolls. That would chase these kids around. That was admittedly a pretty freaking scary movie (laughs) for children. The troll laying in bed with the kid was the scene that I was just like, nope, fuck it. I hate this. This is awful. Yeah. I think the scene for some reason that got me was the troll chasing them through a field and smashing through fences. But anyways, either way, I imagined a troll in my closet for months. And if you haven't seen it, watch it. It's a tremendous (laughs) film of 90s caliber. So that bar can only be so high. But as far as as great kids, I don't know, I would say horror Halloween movies go. It's a pretty fun watch. Any standout for you? The Shining stuck with me As as a teenager, young teen, Jack Nicholson's final form (laughs) of being frozen (laughs) no no not that final that was super final like he's lost his shit and he's running through there with an axe yeah that got to me man he nailed that yes that could definitely be its own horror video game or something like that i want to play the vr of jack nicholson just chasing you around fuck no (laughs) no you can't make me trolls in the background It's just this non-scary mashup of all horror, which means no horror. Yeah, exactly. Okay, so let's get into some useful stuff here. So in this episode, we were talking about what makes a scary monster. And I found the five basic fears set out by Dr. Carl Albright. And so we use that a lot when we're actually getting into the meat of this one. As far as setting the mood for a good, scary D&D game, what do you use to really do that? I pound the table and scream at the top of my lungs. (laughs) Jump scares. Just constantly or (laughs) just an unstopping scream at the top of your lungs for as long as your lungs can handle it. Yeah. And I try to throw a lot of bricks around through the windows and stuff. At random. I rip my shirt off and cover myself (laughs) in condiments. That is terrifying. (laughs) Thank you. Well, one of our regular contributors, Will HP on Discord, we get into some really good conversations. And he had some really cool ideas about setting up that unease out of game at the table. So rather than condiments, he's talking about things like (laughs) changing. Don't don't 
don't cover yourself in condiments. <laughs> that is Unless, not official. That is not official advice. You could, but Will is talking about changing the cadence and the tone of your voice to just unsettle people while you're DMing. Like people are so used to you DMing in a certain way. If you just switch it up a bit, something's off. You know, a, a good example of that is the character, the man in the suit from Half-Life games. Oh. He had a really weird cadence of speaking, and that was wholly unsettling. What was it like? Wake up, Mr. Freeman. Okay. It's got that kind of robotic hint to it. Well, it was just like it had this like kind of drop. It felt like a drop in air pressure, like mid-word. It was just mm. like... Ugh. <laughs> it was yeah it was kind of gross yeah just if you mix up the natural cadence of english speech it's weird will said to move player sheets around yeah and like swap them around just for a little sense of like unsettling why was my stuff moved since the last game like and if you have a regular place now you're sitting in a new spot at the table which might be just a little bit off the lights and ambiance of course this is my jam yeah music lights must-haves for every D&D game. When you're trying to spook people out, it really adds to it. And a tip I really liked, and this gets more into the actual practice of DMing, is for horror games, if you try to remove that time for thinking and planning, like when something's coming up and something is threatening them, don't let them kind of strategize and talk it out. Just give them the consequences of, of not making that decision right away. Totally. Yeah, that's, those snap decisions are what makes every teenager in every slasher flick dead. <laughs> if you gave every teenager plenty of time to decide what their next move was, they would probably come up with a much better choice. Yeah. But the snap decisions are what screws them over every time. The snap decision is what makes the player at your table say, I go up the stairs in the haunted house. <laughs> you don't go upstairs. <laughs> you go out the front door. So we're going to dive back into the game and we're going to tweak a sneaky monster and see if we can turn it into a really spooky horror monster. Just a run-of-the-mill kind of creature. Yeah, just your basic, you know, you see him every day in your regular life. <laughs> do you? <laughs> Goblins, yeah. Oh, okay. All right. <laughs> I'm on board. Let's do this. This is Lamashtu's breeding pit. Where the most vile and deadly of creatures are birthed and unleashed upon doomed adventurers. So, how do we add more oomph to an enemy? Well, we're definitely going to get into that, but it's important to know that any creature from that monster manual can be used to great, horrific effect. It doesn't just have to be the elder dragons or the shadow creatures. Well, and even those creatures can be not very scary unless they're built up, like we talked about in our previous episode. There's a lot of buildup that goes into it. You really got to stretch it out. But, I mean, can you do that with any creature? I say yes. <laughs> well, uh, as a good example, like you and I, what kind of brought us to this point is that we had this really cool couple of games with our party with our regular group of players where we threw in an umber hulk and if you don't know an umber hulk is a big bugoid 
with confusing big old peepers, <laughs> uh, giant pincers, and tunnels underneath the ground. As much as I like your description, it's peepers that cause confusion, not just <laughs> they're confusing looking at us. <laughs> Very important <laughs> distinction. <laughs> what are those peepers? <laughs> so we had this really kind of cool encounter, but both of us kind of just sat there and were like, shit. How do we really build this up? Well, we'll throw in some desiccated corpses that are just kind of laying around and it's kind of gross. And we'll show a little bit of evidence of the thing. We'll try and lead up to it and build that tension. But we didn't just didn't really know what exactly we were doing with it. And I mean, any enemy, if you just toss it down in front of a group of adventurers, is not really going to have that element of scary. But like an edder cap... If you look at the edder cap in the monster manual, that shit is terrifying. Yeah. A big old spider body that hides in the webs, but it's a humanoid and it's purple and it's got ah, a big gut. God, that should be absolutely abject terror. But again, if it's not used really correctly, then it's just, oh shit, you see an edder cap. If now fight. If it's walking by you on the road and it's got a newsboy cap and it's <laughs> good day to you. It's just got this <laughs> weird little, it's just out for a walk got high-waisted plaid pants on <laughs> so we are going to take a stab at a bugbear correct yes let's do that okay so our bugbear's name is thok 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 is a big violent goblinoid the basics of a bugbear they've got high strength high dexterity they're good at stealth and they got a surprise attack that's actually one thing that i'd never used bugbears very well or to great effect is they're really supposed to be super stealthy. Yeah. Like they are sneaky bastards for as big and brutish and imposing as they are. That's what kind of what separates them in my mind from using an orc. Like orcs are straightforward brutes, bugbears are sneaky brutes. Yeah. So starting from that basic build, we can uh, go through the five types of fear that I was talking about in the introduction. Which are? So you've got extinction, mutilation, loss of autonomy, separation and ego death that's a lot of words yeah let's go through them <laughs> so the first one extinction is death we're all pretty familiar with being afraid of dying you're not there anymore you poofed away you're either in some happy afterlife or just chilling in the void who knows i'm <laughs> so not gonna get into that debate <laughs> yeah this podcast isn't long <laughs> enough for that what are some examples of death as a fear like i get dying but what where does that all kind of stem from well if you're standing on top of a building and you're looking down a lot of people have that fear of heights so the underlying fear of heights is the death that is comes that you're gonna the... die if you yeah. fall yeah other fears that play into that are things like a fear of the dark fear of fatal illnesses or fear of flying like it's all just things that will end up with you definitely dead okay and so for thok thok's ability to physically stab you to death i think covers this one <laughs> Sure. Bugbears usually have a morning star. Yeah, it's built into every monster, the fear of death. That's not really a sneaky weapon, come to think of it. No, but it's a big surprise when it smacks you on the noggin. <laughs> and the fact that Thok has stealth and surprise attack lets it use darkness and shadows to build towards this type of fear. It's pretty. It's a pretty simple one to use for every horror story. Okay. So then we get into the next one, which was mutilation. I definitely have a fear of mutilation. I I really need both of my hands if I'm going to draw, type, play video games. If you did anything to my eyes, I would ruin you. 
It, that like any kind of part of me that comes off is horrifying. <laughs> yeah, you've definitely touched on it. That's not supposed to be there. <laughs> Travis seems to have a pretty intense fear of mutilation. <sighs> <laughs> so yeah, like anything that could do that to you. Large animals are pretty straightforward. Like we all fear, we all fear bears and things like that because they can rip us limb from limb. Or even little things like bugs and creepy crawlies. We get that yucked out feeling because we don't want them to enter into us in any way because that's part of this that's really disturbing like an earwig no likey (laughs) fuck no sorry sorry everybody i just yucked (laughs) you more modern examples of this are things like needles surgery or dental work (laughs) (laughs) can you can you please not say needle (laughs) moving on what could thok do to inspire the sense of fear well, I think if the party were to hear about how this bugbear was actually knocking victims out and rendering them unconscious one way or another, and then like say just just something minor, something that really is not life ending, but is that sense of kind of mutilation of like maybe taking a finger as a mm. trophy. So like yeah. people are waking up having had one of their fingers severed like that would and that could play into a group of people that have interacted with thok would all be missing something and that's when the party yeah Uh, nope thok could also have little jars of bugs okay so they can terrorize the party with yeah this bugbear is starting to get a little bit more scary now it's just not a bugbear with a morning star it's a bugbear that takes trophies and releases bugs and like just carries around jars of horrid flesh-eating bugs or something like that. Yeah. So then moving on to the next fear is a loss of autonomy. So you are you don't have control. Okay. And a great example of that is claustrophobia. Ooh. Anything near to that. Like anything where you're just unable. One of my biggest things is when people get stuck in caves, that just gets me right to my core. Agreed. <laughs> you and I have both been caving before and when they describe certain passageways as having a having a name of being like you're going to go through here this is a big thing and you can only move you know you have to wriggle with your shoulders yeah that's a that's a terrifying but like even before you get into it it's a terrifying thing so i get i get that loss of control as being terrifying and in this category is also things like debilitating illnesses or even aging or even getting to a more social type of this is poverty. Like poverty Ooh. takes away your control. Wow. Yeah, totally. So back to Thok. What's Thok doing? Well, what if Thok's bugs actually, he had fed them some kind of mushroom or something like that, that caused some of these bugs bite to actually have maybe like a paralysis venom? Yeah. So if you... You know, as soon as it gets you the first time, you're paralyzed. And then those bugs are a serious source of fear. Or if the townspeople tell you about that. Yeah. Or if they found dead bugs in the room of somebody that had just previously lost a finger. So now Thok's M.O. is that he sneaks inside a window with his really super high stealth, belts you one, (laughs) knocks you the F out, and then has these bugs release this paralysis poison that's like a 24-hour poison. Well, that's that too, if he does want to get that close, but 
could also just crack the window and let the bugs in. Oh, awful. <laughs> now you're just being swarmed in your sleep? That's yeah. terrible. What if you were conscious? What exactly, if, yeah. Thox yeah. bugs were, you know, you were able to wake up, but you still couldn't move. It's It was just a strict paralysis. Mm-hmm. Oh, that's even worse. And then he takes his trophy. All right, what's the next one? <laughs> Separation. So being alone, isolated, abandoned. Mm, yeah, that's a good one. This one's pretty straightforward, but just, yeah, if you're lost, you're feeling it. In, again, a more social way, if a relationship ends, you feel it. Whether Not a- having support from your party. I think you and I had a previous discussion about how we may have inadvertently touched on this with some of our gelatinous cubes. And like that's just a fear of having a gelatinous cube swallow a party member and just hold them apart from their party. That separation causes that fear. Yeah, causes a discomfort of you the being party. the only one that can't really interact or, yeah, that separation. So if Thok is creating that separation, maybe they only hunt and attack solitary creatures. So if you're hunting Thok as a party and you know that Thok doesn't go after groups, so like, what are you going to do to draw Thok out? You got to separate one person <laughs> from the party and use them as bait. <laughs> that sucks. <laughs> of course, the party will probably come up with some elaborate trap for Thok. Of but... course. But there's still that one player has to suffer that fear of being isolated. I yeah. don't know what's going to happen to me. Ugh. Well, I did like this concept. So what if you, what if you take that uh, paralysis that the bugs inflict and amp it up a notch? So what if it takes a minute to take effect? Okay. And after that minute, it spreads to any creature within 30 feet. So let's say it causes some kind of a visual effect on a party member. Ooh. And you know this has happened to townspeople or it's happened to you already. And all of a sudden it's like, okay, we got a minute. And then we could all go, we could all be paralyzed here. So every minute, the next person with the lowest constitution score, it spreads to them. Yeah. And then they have to make that saving throw. And then the next, and then the next. But that's only if you stay close. Oh. Oh, and then that forces the isolation. Oh, you're evil. (laughs) You're an evil man. (laughs) Thank you. All right. So what's the last one? So finally, we have ego death. And this is more of a social fear, but it's a fear of humiliation or shame. But it it really gets personal when you consider that it's about self-worth. So that's awful. Yeah, it's pretty rough. It feels real bad. So it's like a failure at something that you've tied to your identity. Like it's who you are. And all of a sudden that doesn't describe you. A a common fear is public speaking that kind of ties into this. Okay. Yeah. That fear of embarrassment. If it doesn't go well, if the public speaking isn't received well, now all of a sudden that attacks your social credibility, your self-worth. I get it. Your value. Yeah. So Thok could definitely seek trophies that remove the strengths of whoever they're targeting maybe i mean that as the dm you have to consider your party members in that way but so this might be like stealing a spellcaster's spell book yeah stealing a magical weapon that the barbarian uses that is the vast majority of its of its power and you could even tie this in with the bug effect too if you wanted it to maybe when you're paralyzed it affects your memory for like 24 hours or something 
and it takes away those abilities and memories. Like if you wanted to do it more mechanically, it takes away the ability to cast a spell. Or if you wanted to do it more from a role-playing perspective, it takes away memories of loved ones. So, oh man, you don't know that it's only going to last 24 hours, but like your party members are losing memories. That's awful. <laughs> well, I mean, other than other than really the bugs, there's not a lot here that we've added onto a basic bugbear to make this bugbear in particular truly terrifying. Yeah, just a preference for trophies and... It's just behaviors that all of a sudden attack all of these basic fears of extinction, of death, of mutilation, loss of autonomy, separation, and then that, that ultimate humiliation, shame, those kind of things, all of those basic primal fears. Mm-hmm. Cool. And, and again, because we had this structure, we found it pretty simple to extrapolate on a bugbear. So arguably, you could probably take a stab at this. And even if it doesn't affect all, if you can get the majority of them, you're going to have a much more terrifying creature if it has these elements to it. And again, going back to our previous episode, if you're building up and the players are aware of some of these as being a potential threat... Now, all of a sudden, you've got something that really is going to cause a lot of unease, a lot of discomfort at the table before they even encounter the enemy. Yeah, that's what it's all about. Cool. Well, I think the last thing that we really should probably touch on, because again, some of our folks on Discord were so adamant about it, and we (laughs) wholeheartedly agree, but it was pretty well fleshed out, and so we didn't want to spend a ton of time on our podcast really talking about it because it was done perfectly the first time. So if you want to check out a different inspiration for a really terrifying monster, take a look at the False Hydra on Goblin Punch's blog. Just Google Goblin Punch, Google False Hydra. You will find this tremendous blog article by Goblin Punch. Really, this creature has everything that we've discussed in this episode and the last one just baked right into just a killer article. It was so good. This thing is the stuff of nightmares. (laughs) Give us a general kind of a rundown on the false hydra. Yeah, so the false hydra, it's terrifying. It's born of lies. It slowly grows into a town, and then it creates gaps in your perception and your awareness and eventually starts to manipulate your memories and what you can perceive in the world and it just keeps layering it on top of itself and disturbing me to great great lengths it's a really really tremendous creature and it's an interesting approach to a monster because the monster itself is inherent in the story that kind of preceded it and the adventure so it's like half adventure half creature all rolled into one and it's highly recommended so definitely check that out And you know you've successfully created a sense of dread with your monster when your party doesn't rush in to attack it. That's a good point. Like, chipping away at everyone's confidence in their ability to handle this situation and playing on all of those fears and really rounding them out is the only thing that's going to stop them from just, I hit it with my sword, (laughs) or at least second-guessing that first instinct of, I run up and I smack it in the face. Yeah. Okay, well... Let us know what you got out of that. We hope it helped. I hope you enjoy the False Hydra. 
Also, I hope you enjoyed the different approach to attacking all of those different fears. Maybe there's some takeaways from Thok, and hopefully you enjoyed our gentleman spider creature. (laughs) (laughs) The Spider-Man Dandy. (laughs) All right. Thanks to Tabletop Audio for the sound effects that you heard in this episode. You can chat with us at Hook and Chance on Twitter, Facebook, Instagram, Discord, and Reddit. And thanks for listening, and play great games. Oh, God. Damn it.